Dude, I feel like Airbud <laughs> ju- jumped a shark at some point. Uh, I feel like Airbud <laughs> might have jumped the shark 20, 20 minutes into Airbud. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were about to say that. Like, I said that, and I was like, that was so yeah. dumb. You, you <laughs> mean, do you mean before or after a golden retriever <laughs> played basketball for a high school ranked championship game? Do you mean before or after that did it was, jump the shark? I was going to say, I feel like... <laughs> They jumped the shark at Air Buddies. I don't think those puppies were doing everything Air Buddy. Oh, but do. you're fine with Air Bud playing football, a full contact tackling sport <laughs> yeah. in which a dog of like, his stature would have Air been Bud killed. Was, he was doing everything, dude. He was playing basketball. Maybe he played baseball. I don't even know. <laughs> Testing out random jokes at this point, that can only mean one thing, and that is, of course, you made it. So pull up a chair. This is the TV Boys, the show where we, the boys, you guessed it, we talk about some TV. Each week here on the TV Boys, more often than not, we pick a person, place, or thing, and it's usually a person, and we tell you all about the great TV they make and how they make TV great, and we've done it again, our classic formula. Before we get right into it, let us introduce ourselves. I'm Izzy. Who else we got here? I'm Thomas. And I'm Johnny. Heck yeah, and we're all in person in the same room again. We're getting if spoiled. If you're a longtime listener, you know that we love when that gets to happen because a lot of times we attend the recording remotely. Uh, but we're all together for this one. And we're all together to talk about a man you know and love. You've seen him before. Can somebody tell me who he is? Hey, we were making jokes uh, last episode about him, so I figured we have to do an episode about him. We're talking about the one and only Michael J. Fox. Also known as Michael a Fox. A Fox. <laughs> Your joke Foxy, Mike was, himself. Michael, I don't give a Fox. Oh, yeah. I know that was your joke. <laughs> I just re-listened to the episode recently because practice makes perfect. So, could anyone tell me? What, according to IMDb, is the just the top four productions Michael J. Fox has been in? Michael J. Fox, if you are unaware, I don't know how you are, but he's known for Back to the Future. Ah. And the subsequent Back to the Future Part 2. Oh, now I know what you're talking about. That's heavy, Doc. And then two things I am unfamiliar with, Spin City and The Frighteners. And, like, the only thing I can assume Spin City is is, like, a spoof of Sin City. Oh. Eh, wrong. <laughs> Sorry. Well, you'll be edumacated here in a bit. I kind of think it's funny, you know, that 
yeah, we focus on TV here, but we got to, you know, we're going to mention Back to the Future as well. Like kind of a slight to three that is IMDb top four is one and two, but not three. Uh, but, you know, hey, whatever. It was the least acclaimed Dude, for sure. You know, you know, my most viewed movie personally is The Princess Bride. Like I, yeah. I've seen that probably over a hundred times. My second most viewed movie is Back to the Future. Yeah. Like I had a portable Wait, DVD just like player. the first one? Yeah, well, I well here's the deal. I had a portable DVD player that my parents didn't know I had. I hid it under my pillow. How salacious! Under your pillow for like yeah, years. Uh, I mean, I didn't get away with it for that long, but I was watching. I remember I I had um, Back to the Future from the library, and I would like I, I renewed that. I renewed that movie, so I had it for like a month, and it was uh, every night, over and over. So, like, I I eventually saw all three of I've probably seen all three of those movies at least twenty times each. Which okay, is so crazy it wasn't just me. like the first one twenty times, and then you saw no, no, I saw them all many times, but I, probably the first one the most, the most and yeah. they're just uh, yes. they're very near near and dear to my heart. Uh, that's amazing. I knew that you had seen them. I didn't quite realize the context. I do. I do wish that, you know, we had been friends at this era and I would have like smuggled you like Nacho Libre uh, (laughs) and like extract or something. That would have been great. (laughs) (laughs) I still, I still have a lot of my DVDs. I think I was telling you, Johnny off air the other day that I was rearranging my living room. I got a new like entertainment center coffee table-esque thing yeah i like your basement um, a lot better now so i was rearranging things and i was moving my dvd collection for what i feel like may be the last time i consider (laughs) just like boxing them up and throwing them away or putting them into storage or whatever and i was like you know what i'll put them in there like dvd tower next to the tv this time but this might be it this might be the last because like i don't feel like i have anything that i don't have streamable access to i guess i would you know in this situation of getting rid of stuff i'd keep like my blu-rays have you have you peeped a dvd recently okay here's the thing dude yeah you're not watching dvds right now but when the grid goes down and some like major some major bad stuff happens, yeah. And we, when I need to to watch a DVD by candlelight, like what are you saying? We're out there. <laughs> we're out there with our solar panels. Yeah. And you're charging up that DVD player. You're gonna like be selling tickets to this new world, to this new society. I mean, I, you just can, like, I think people are just gonna download you for download it. episodes of Netflix to <laughs> like, my phone. I think people are just gonna kill you for it. Like I'm gonna yeah. own very few things if the grid goes down because i don't want to get robbed <laughs> anyway so you're saying not only to keep my dvds but that maybe it's dangerous to have them prominently displayed yes i mean the point i was initially getting at is a dvd 720p have you ever watched one recently it's i didn't realize how jarring it would be well no, yeah i bet it's like switching from like a, a cd or bluetooth connection just to like actual airwave radio and it's like why is there all this static <laughs> yeah, in this song yeah, i think yeah. thomas is too spoiled i've seen some stuff in 720p well no, no, it's no, fine I, I, I stream stuff no, in 720p i definitely hear like, what you're saying but yeah. we've talked about it before yeah. that, that kind of stuff is like way way less of an issue for us i think uh just like having bad eyes like i didn't mm. i didn't get glasses till i was 18 
So like, but, but everything's always in HD now, and it just never was. It was in 420. Yeah, before. I see. Okay. I see in yeah. 240p, dog. Yeah, yeah. like Naturally. I don't. Like I side by side, I definitely see a difference. You know what I mean? And when you drop low enough that you get pixelated, like obviously, I'm not a dummy, but like the like Blu-ray to 4K to UHD, like if it's not side by side, I I don't have the yeah. The rods and cones to per, like clock the difference. Yeah. He's got the rods. He just doesn't have the cones. <laughs> All right. I don't know what that. I, no, I don't know what you. that joke thank was. You. But um, before we get to any like major big work highlights, highlights, I'm just gonna give you a little bit of background on Michael J. Fox. In case you didn't know, Michael Andrew Fox was born in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, in 1961. What? Yeah, he's Canadian? he's Canadian. I didn't know that either. A sacre bleu. Did you did you watch any uh, Family Ties today? Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll he, get there. We'll get there. Well, you notice it when he says sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, he outs himself with the sorry. He was born in 1961. His family lived in various cities and towns across Canada because his father's career as a police officer and a service member. Fox attended Burnaby Central Secondary School and now has an, a theater named after him uh, at Burnaby South Secondary School. South Secondary. South Secondary. Uh, <laughs> it's a, they're they're all Canadian terms. What's a what's a South Secondary? That's not how I think things secondary are schools like high school. Okay. Year four. How old are you? <laughs> but um, uh, he has a theater named after him, which is pretty cool. At the age of 15, Fox starred in the Canadian television series Leo and Me, produced by the Canadian Broadcasting Company. And in 1979, at the age of 18, he moved to Los Angeles to further his acting career. Fox was discovered by producer uh, Ronald Shedlow and made his American television debut in the television film Letters to Frank, credited under the name Michael Fox. He intended to continue the use of this name, but when he registered with the uh, Screen Actors Guild, which requires unique registration names to avoid uh, credit ambiguities and the possibility of royalty checks being sent out to the wrong actors, uh, uh. he discovered that Michael Fox, a veteran character actor, was already registered under that name. All right. So there's I'll, another Michael Fox. I'll accept that like every, they all need unique registrations, but this parenthetical about <laughs> accidentally sending the wrong royalty hey, check, that had that's to come just from somewhere, di- right? disrespectful. <laughs> like you should know to whom you're paying a royalty to in that situation. Like, come on, you check, <laughs> The address, like Michael Jordan and Michael B. Jordan, like you can, <laughs> as someone sending both of them checks, figure out who lives where. Yeah. Come Who's on. sending out these checks and why are they so dumb? I don't know. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Do you hear that? It's correcting Carl here. Yeah. Oh, yeah? You said letters to Frank. It's letters from Frank. Is this gonna be a what? new? Is this gonna be a new thing? Because you've done correcting Carl before in more valid situations, but now I feel like you're just shoehorning him in because you like him. Well, it, was the, it was the I'm, name of a project, which is why well, I corrected it. All right, fine. it's not based on the like. No, no, no. I'm just calling it out. I'm interested in the canonicity of correcting Carl. I'm 
not we should give him his making, own I'm corner not making a comment. A I'm just saying that like I I'm paying attention. <laughs> Speaking of paying attention, Johnny, I feel like I cut you off and maybe you have something else you want to say about Michael Fox's life before we get into more of his works. So the name Michael Fox was already taken by the character actor who has the same name. I, I can't say I'm as familiar with him. Um, but in a in his autobiography, Lucky Man, a memoir, and in interviews, he needed to come up with a different name. Uh, he did not like the sound of Michael A. Fox during a time when Fox meant attractive and because A sounded too much like the Canadian A. Oh, we didn't even think so of like, that yeah, angle. Yeah, we didn't even go into that <laughs> angle. We just thought, like, Michael A. Fox. Oh. Like, that sounds funny. Um, but he was thinking, like, Michael A. Fox? So from what I understand, he considered Andrew and Andy. So it might have been Michael Andrew Fox or Michael Andy Fox. Yeah. yeah. He, what, he wasn't really feeling that. Uh, yeah, yeah. That. Um, so he decided to use a different initial and settled on J., as a tribute to actor Michael J. Pollard, who I'm not familiar with, but that is where I the J comes like, from. Uh, like an old school movie actor, like I'm pretty sure Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, yeah, that, that would definitely make sense. Yeah, but that's where the J and Michael J. Fox comes from, because he is actually a fox. <laughs> uh, did you... You know, I feel like you mentioned it already in his early life that one of his first main things was Leo and Me. Um, that was uh, actually a Canadian show before, yeah. he, before he moved down to the Dirty South. And, uh, is that all of dirty America? South is all America? Of America? Is, that, is that what you're saying? I didn't know we were going to focus <laughs> in on it that much, but I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that was unique in that it was one of those situations where he was playing a teenager and he was a teenager because he continued yeah, he was like to play a teen well into his 20s and late 20s. Maybe even early 30s. but uh, He's got that fresh face. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think this brings us to our first major show, which honestly, I was surprised wasn't in the IMDb top four. Um, Thomas, do you want to tell us about Family Ties? Family Ties ran from 82 to 89. Um so good, a good long run. Yeah, a serious run. Uh, I mean, Fox is in it for 176 episodes. Ooh. So Family Ties is an American sitcom television series that aired on NBC for several seasons. Um, oh, I didn't mention it's on Paramount Plus for anybody that wants to watch, I think, in its entirety. So yeah. if you start to watch it in its square frame glory, um, you can watch <laughs> all of it on Paramount Plus. Yeah. The series created by Gary David Goldberg reflected the move in the United States states from cultural liberalism of the 60s and 70s to the conservatism of the 80s. It's set in suburban Columbus, Ohio, uh, during the Reagan administration. Stephen and Elise Keaton are baby boomers, liberals, and former hippies. Uh, they're raising their three children, ambitious, would-be millionaire entrepreneur Alex, who's played by Michael J. Fox. Yeah. He's, like, typically <laughs> pictured in, like, a suit or, like, some combination yeah. of, like, shirt and tie. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and he's supposed to be, 
like a young teenager. I think he's 17. Yeah, he's 17. Yeah. In the he's first a young season. Republican, in quotes. I guess that was like a, I don't know, is that like JSA or something? Like a group you could be in as a kid? Maybe that's where you were getting young. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And his fashion-conscious, gossipy sister, Mallory, played by Justine Bateman. Yes, Jason Bateman's sister. I also thought that when I saw the credits, because they do like the intro credits yeah. with their names. And Tomboy uh, sister, Jennifer, played by Tina Yothers. Um, I will say that the, the chemistry between those three kids, I know sometimes the, the chemistry doesn't come across in situations like that. It's, it's pretty good. Well, I mean, I, I I feel like, you know, we're all we're all caught up on the the description here. But what I kind of want to get into is we all watch some of this. We all watch some of this '80s show. What like what were you feeling from it? I feel like you said something uh, in our in our group message about like, hey, this is holding up better than I thought. Like, what were you thinking? Yeah, I feel like with older stuff, um, I didn't know like the premise. I didn't read the wiki premise yeah. before I watched it. Typically, a lot of stuff falls flat just simply because the comedy of the time didn't follow through to current culture. Um, and some of it is is a little more like dicey and on the edge of stuff that people don't make jokes about now. That's not the case here. Most of the comedy is just surrounding like everyday family life. Yeah. And like, obviously, the parents are very liberal. So a lot of like the comedy coming from them is is much more permissible for like current comedy i guess is what i'm trying to say like it's just it's i i loved it i'm not i'm not trying it makes it sound like i'm trying to pin it against like liberals and conservatives and like that's not it and like they do make it a prominent point that their parents were hippies in the 60s but like the comedy holds up i think because it's just family based it's not it's not current culture based I don't know if you already said this, but I feel like a big part of this is we both, I know me and you, have not watched this show until this week. Yeah. I have never seen this show. And, yeah. like, I know it's, really? like, a big show in pop culture. Yeah. Most people have heard of it or seen it. Um, uh, of course, I've heard of it, but I've never just, like, went out of my way to watch this show. And I found it very charming yeah. like i and i thought i thought it was really funny that like uh michael j fox alex b keaton is like a like a republican and he's going again like he's part of like the counterculture to his liberal hippie parents and i mean i have to think that that's just like a turning of the wheel of time that like I feel like this show is almost like coming more into uh, not into vogue, but like it's more relevant now than it has been for the last 10 years, because I feel like this show is kind of representative of like what our generation will be like when they have kids, because like your kids are all children rebel against their parents and want to go against what their parents stand for in some way there has to be some kind of tension and rebellion for the most part i thought that aspect was really cool and and kind of interesting to see but specifically for me what made this show really good was michael j fox michael j fox is uniquely 
funny, genuinely funny. I think he's uniquely funny, charming, and handsome to the point where like he can do things that other I don't I don't think there's a new Michael J. Fox. Like I think I maybe it's just me, but I specifically love watching him act. He makes things funny. He makes those kind of like corny eighties jokes where like, oh you can see it coming from a mile away and the audience is gonna laugh. But he makes it like genuinely funny to me just with like his kind of charming like exasperation he's always exasperated with somebody well, he has a like, voice that's perfect for exasperation it's already like kind of a tenor voice there's a specific scene that comes to mind uh of his sister coming home after leaving while their parents are out of town to like go on a date with a guy but like not like a planned date just like a, a spur of the moment date they're having a party at the house he leaves or she leaves with this guy and she comes home like hours later and he's a 17-year-old guy, and she comes home, and he, he like, fills that stereotypical role of, like, being a parent. What? I'm surprised you're still up. And he's like, of course I'm still up. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, how could I go to sleep knowing you're out there in the night, and I don't know where you are, and you don't tell me where you're going? And it's just, like, the exasperation is – it's funny, dude. It's, it's a really funny bit that he does, and he follows – I mean, not that same shtick, but, like – that exasperation is really what sells it. He typically is just exasperated. Yeah. The funny moments he's in, he's raising his voice and getting up into those higher octaves of his. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying, like as a, as a viewer who is not immediately drawn to sitcoms mm. and like, I'm not really interested in sitcoms that were out before I was born or the year I was yeah. born. Like, I think we probably have better stuff now. Um, that's always been like my preconceived notion. But after watching this show, um, I'm very pleasantly surprised. And after I'm done watching Seinfeld or I get tired of it, I don't know if I'll get tired of it. You know, Seinfeld's on Netflix now. I've been having a lot of fun with that. I'm going to watch more of Family Ties. Yeah. So I know um, we've been talking about a new rating system for uh, shows that we talk about as uh, chairs pulled up. I'm pulling up my chair to this show, dude. I'm Ooh. watching it more. I really, really enjoy it. I'm very pleasantly surprised. I so I want to say a couple things about it. I do think that um, that Michael J. Fox is really what the show is all about. When I think of fam of Michael J. Fox and his television career, I think of Family Ties. I had seen it before. We did this. I watched some to catch up. I didn't realize that he was not the plan wasn't for him to be a sympathetic character but the like the audience just liked him so much there's just something so likable about the it the show creator yeah. has described it as uh greed with the face of an angel <laughs> and, i like that like that's like totally that what lot. it is and that michael j fox just like made it work and the audience just simply doesn't like consider the darker side of what he's actually saying um if you didn't know something kind of interesting, Gary Goldberg, the guy who made the show, he he did not like Michael J. Fox's first audition. He he said he came off as like a smart aleck, and he didn't want to work with this kid. <laughs> really? And the casting director Judith Weiner like really did like him and begged Go Gary Goldberg to call him in for a second time. And on that second one, 
uh, Fox took a, you know, like a different, <laughs> different approach and it went great and he was offered the part, but, uh, he, in his audition, he did an ad lib that like the, I don't know exactly what episode it was in, but the writers loved it so much. They ended up like using it and he, again, even after like, you know, coming off bad to Gary almost didn't get the role because of an NBC executive, Brandon Tartikoff said that he didn't find it believable that Meredith and Michael Meredith Baxter and Michael gross would have a son that short. And so he didn't want to cast him. Really? <laughs> so like at two different stages, he almost didn't get the role and it's like he made the show. So I, I do want to give a shout out to something we've talked about before. And that is WandaVision, which is a fantastic show. And in, I believe, the fifth episode of WandaVision, they do a parody. Um, they do parody a lot of shows, but specifically they parody Family Ties. Family Ties is a little bit, I think, more known for its its theme on the visual side of things from the second season moving forward, where there's like a, it kind of looks like a coloring book image of the family and like a stroke of a paintbrush starting to fill it in before it like kicks off to a slideshow and episode five of WandaVision, not at the beginning of the episode, but there's like a, a point in the episode where it like cuts to like a show theme song and it starts, it's like a, a rent. It seems like a referential like rendition of the family ties theme, but then also it starts with like a black and white picture of Wanda and vision and like a paintbrush stroke, like starting to color it in. Yeah, uh, and that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've only seen uh, season one so far, so I haven't seen that yet, but I'm sure I'll catch the reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you asked, and I feel like I'm beating around the bush. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can give this a whole chair. Okay. It's... Definitely the best 80s sitcom I feel like I've watched in a while. I really felt like a lot of a lot was landing the idea of comedy between, uh, you know, conservative and political and and liberal political ideals like in the same family clashing, and it's fun to to turn it on its head with like oh it's the kids that are conservative and the parents that are liberal because that's not generally how it is now but i feel like that's how it's gonna be um no i know i'm saying like it yeah, goes yeah, it, go, yeah, yeah. it goes in cycles and so it's interesting to see this other side of it but uh i don't know i definitely got a good half chair pulled up because like it has that classic formula it's like six scenes in a tag and that can be you know comforting to just like know how the episode's gonna go because that's really, I mean, not that they never change it up, but that's how a lot of shows work, including Family Ties, is like six major scenes and then a tag. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, there's something about that form, like knowing how a show's going to go, even if you don't really remember the episode that's comforting. You know, I feel like I may watch some more of this for the same reason that I watch Andy Griffith, like, mm. multiple times a week. Um, but I am not 
like excited to watch more of this in the way that like last week I'm excited to watch more of Patriot. Like I want to know more about the story. Family Ties is just like a comforting format to me. So that's why I feel like I can't give it a full chair. I'm sorry. What about you, Thomas? You pulling your chair out? Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm a little I'm a little down now hearing your <laughs> hearing your half chair pull. You can have your own opinion. I'm sorry. Don't even listen no, I, to that no, guy. No, I can't. I'm no, sorry. I knew from the beginning, and I'm still going to give it the same rating. I'm giving it a full chair just simply because, like Johnny, I'm not into sitcoms. I'm not into it, but I watched this, and I enjoyed it a lot. Like, not only am I not into sitcoms, I'm not into old sitcoms. Yeah. Like new sit, I don't watch a single new sitcom. Right. Yeah. Like not a single one. Um. But like this one, I will probably revisit it. The fact Same. that it's accessible, yeah. that it's from the '80s, right. and it's actually and it's on Paramount Plus. That is what's cool about it. Like I said, sure. I find Michael J. Fox uniquely charming. Yeah. Like he makes me happy when we I need, see him. On we screen. need to get a charming counter and put it on the wall, <laughs> and every time he oh, says that word, we'll just. Uh, I guess I'm thinking about how. Like I, I was disappointed with Mash, and I expected Mash to really knock me over, and maybe not. But I, I expected, I expected to like Mash, and I was surprised I didn't. And I expected to not like Family Ties, and I was very surprised well, that I did. I see. I just, I can't, I can't. I feel like I'm, I'm bad at this point with predicting and nailing you guys down ahead of time because, like. You, you would have thought it was the other well, way around. Like, how did how did you feel about Mash? How do you feel about Mash? I mean, I in the episode that we talked about Mash, I said it was like I'm probably a half chair on that. Yeah. Simply because like I enjoy watching it. I don't love it. Right. But I feel like it transcends like age. Okay. You can watch it with basically anybody older than me and right, enjoy right. it. Right. We were talking about that. So yeah. so that's a good point. You you you're not into it. You're like ha- like half a chair. But then what surprised me, I think, even like growing it back a little further, how was it you felt about Cheers? I was surprised by Cheers. I really loved you, Cheers. Exactly. You were like pulling a chair up on I'll Cheers. Pull a chair up how did Cheers you feel about day. Cheers? I didn't I didn't watch See, Cheers. I, I I I was I was immediately like I heard sitcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that does not put wind in my and, sails. And so like I was surprised because I expected you to not like Cheers and to have to like sit around and defend Cheers and you were like no, no, no! This is a great sitcom. And I'm like, yes, it is. Wait, what? <laughs> what <are> you... <laughs> uh, so you're a full chair. <laughs> I know this isn't included in the podcast, but you're a full chair on Cheers, but a half chair on Family Ties. Yeah. Okay. okay. For okay. sure. Okay. All right. Nice. All right. Well, we got to move on from Family Ties, but the last thing I want to say about it is uh, the show won multiple awards, including three consecutive Emmy Awards for Michael J. Fox as Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series. Can you imagine being shut out three years in a row to the same guy and like on the fourth year when he didn't win it being like, okay, finally. Somebody else got that, got that that award. I mean, you know, we were just talking about the Emmys pretty recently on an app. I feel like that's probably how some talk show hosts feel because uh, freaking John Oliver has won his category oh, yeah. six or seven years in a row now. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, my gosh. He keeps winning for sure. Um, so then the next thing I want to talk about, uh, just real quick, I'm, I'm a big fan of game shows. I'm sure both of oh, you are, too, in too. your own ways. Uh, from 1983 to 1984, um, Michael J. Fox was himself in the $25,000 pyramid. 
Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, Pyramid is a collective name for, of a series of American television game shows that has aired several versions domestically and internationally. The original series was the $10,000 Pyramid that, debu- that debuted in 1973. Um, because there's been so many versions, Michael J. Fox was actually, he was in like... 20 some episodes of the $10,000 pyramid. Oh, was he? But then he's also in the $25,000 pyramid. It's sort of yeah. just like affectionately referred to as just pyramid. Cause yeah. the yeah. amount has changed. Well, and there's like, there's been like seven subsequent shows with the same format. Right. Um, increasing. the It's prize. still going right now in this right. year, 2021. Yeah. I think it's a hundred thousand dollar pyramid. Yeah. If not more, they, they, I think it's a hundred thousand though. I believe last time I watched it, it was 100K. Mm. Yeah, Michael Strahan is the host nowadays. Yeah. But uh, the game features the two fu- co- two, contest- two contestants, uh, each paired with a celebrity. Contestants attempt to guess a series of words or phrases based on descriptions given to them by their teammates. The title refers to the, uh, the show's pyramid-shaped game board featuring six categories arranged in a triangular fashion. Uh, the various pyramid series have won a total of nine daytime Emmys uh, for outstanding game show, second only to Jeopardy. I did nice. not realize that this like that show was second only to was Jeopardy well in, in, yeah. in Emmys. Um, but I mean, considering I've never heard of it, what I'm really surprised. None of, none of the pyramids. You don't watch I've freaking never... game shows. No, I don't I love like game shows. shows. Uh, I there's really... a Wii game, <laughs> a Wii game like pyramid game. In 2011. It's one million dollar pyramid. <laughs> Ubisoft made it. Oh my god. Like basi- basically, like the the one <laughs> I saw. Crazy thing. I learned that today, <laughs> to be honest. But it's pretty crazy. I did. You w- pulled it out like you've played that game like right? every exactly. week. No. Like, I have <laughs> played Wheel of Fortune on a floppy disk. But I just learned about the Wii. <laughs> like uh, I watched an episode with Michael J. Fox, and he was giving that. So basically, he goes like, uh, "Deer, elk, bear," um, and and the other person who's not a celebrity goes, "Uh, things you hunt." Ding ding ding. That's the right answer. And there's a time limit, and you're like trying to do, uh, you know, a certain amount of things in the time limit. It's it's really fun. And um, I don't know. It, it, I guess it's fun to see a so like a big celebrity I interact think, that personally with just like a normal right. person like yourself. It's it's a word association game where a contestant is paired with a celebrity. Mm. The two contestants are competing. The celebrity, uh, the and there's two different celebrities. Like that's real. That's definitely pretty fun. And I know now knowing you've not seen it you're wondering why like where's pyramid coming from and it's literally just because the the categories the questions are not arranged in a grid format but like just they are rather, like a jeopardy right imagine if they took the jeopardy categories and made a pyramid, made out, a of pyramid out of those boxes <laughs> like it cut like that's such a wild like the fact that it like I've watched so much of this show, and sometimes I think of like, what they really they could have just called it like categories, words, like it didn't. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Do do the um, do the celebrities compete for charity money, and the normies compete for regular I think, money? I think Is that it how might it works? depend on the current 
show, I think a lot of it is just the celebrities aren't competing for any amount of money at all. Like they're getting a flat rate for being on the episode. Yeah, they're there to and there's a draw. Like, right. And then the contestant is either like winning X amount of money yeah, or they're not. That makes sense for sure. Um, I, you know, a lot of pretty much any long running game show like that has definitely had a charity series or a charity angle. So I definitely wouldn't be surprised if that's how it has worked in some iterations. Yeah. But as I know it, it's mostly that they're just like, they're happy to be there because they're getting, they're trying to have fun. It's self-promotion. They're trying to just help the person they're paired with potentially win as much money as possible. I mean, could you imagine getting paid for just literally playing a game? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think like about, that sounds. Re- I think that about sounds it all great. the time. That sounds great. <laughs> what do you mean? Can I imagine? I think about it every day. Like if we could play word association games with each other, you get paid like thirty thousand dollars a week. If, oh, if right, I could sign go. up to be a professional wordscapes player, I'd yeah. be mixing and matching words uh, all day long. Just uh, real, real, real quick. Michael J. Fox was the voice of Chance in Homeward Bound. The Incredible Journey in 1993. Um, that's a movie that I specifically when, loved. So I definitely love Homeward Bound. Yeah. When's the last time you rewatched it? Uh, I was probably seven. Yeah. Is it rough? The The problem <laughs> is we are very used to an era of CGI in which watching, going back, Homeward Bound is a movie I loved, watched over and over as a kid. Going back to it now as an adult it is jarring that the animals who are the main characters and are talking the whole time, like it's just voiceover with footage of animals. There's That's no, better to there's me. no mouth movement. That's so much no, better for I me I know though. what you're talking about. I don't want to see I've the seen bad cats and CGI. Dogs. Exactly. It was bad for a while, but then it got better. But this was a 93. I, movie. Saw, like, I like, saw the <laughs> Scooby-Doo movie, but like, I know dude. what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I, but like, we are on the other side of it. There but are animals' I'm mouths saying this don't is better. move like that in real life. No, this they, is better they than don't. animals' mouths moving. It's, yeah, it's not. It's, it's better. It it is better than it was right after that. It is better when they than when they first tried that. It's better than all of two thousands animal mouths moving. All of it. Yeah. It's not better than twenty twenty one animals talking it's, it's better because it's got michael j fox hot, i'm, tell, I'm telling take. you to hot re-watch take. it and you'll be like well this kind of feels like i'm watching like i don't know little house on the prairie and there's just like a voiceover because i had to adr it because it was windy that day like it's Dude, not i try it doesn't to, feel right the audio's not right i tried to rewatch at least a clip and the only thing like there's not even clips on YouTube. It's just like the trailer. And well, it's I too wanted upsetting. to see... you they need you to see the whole thing all at so, once to make sure that they're okay and just, they make it to their family. Just so I I could place this in my brain. Um, does one of the dogs get like spiked up by a porcupine? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm Chance, thinking of the that's, right that's Michael J. Fox's does. character. I thought so. Yeah. Oh, I thought so. Yeah. All right. Well, you're gonna say something. Hot one, take. And one of the dogs is a cat. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, I know. It's, only, it's two dogs. Sassy. Sassy. Yes, let's talk about the characters. What are you going to say? Hot take. Yeah. Uh, brand new CGI Lion King sucks visually. I haven't seen it. Hate it. That's not. Hate it. That's not what I'm talking about either, it's but that, be, is, that is extremely be, valid. It was supposed to be groundbreaking. I don't, I'd rather watch the cartoon. My ground wasn't even cracked. 
I, I will tell you my favorite live action animal Disney show or movie. If you say Milo and Otis, I'm gonna Jungle slap you. No, in get face. out, get Jungle. out of my face. No, that one's that one's horrific. It's Jungle Book, though. No, Charlie the Lonesome Cougar, dude. What the? From like 1967. Oh, he was straight chilling. He was. He was out the window. Man, he was just chilling. Like, man. If we're going back that far, I'm going back to that darn cat, my dude. What is that? What it's called? That you've darn never cat? seen that darn cat? No. Cats don't dance. Like, like, look at this, dude. This was a fully, like, Charlie was, like, a fully domesticated, well, not domesticated, but, like, non-feral, I guess. How many actors do you think they went through to get a good take of somebody <laughs> not being mauled to death dude, by Dude, no. I, I honestly think it's all about confidence, and someone just lied and was told that actor, like, yeah, totally safe. And he was like, all right, cool. And, like, went and did yeah, it. Yeah. And, like, that's he why. He, it's like, you know what I mean? Because he was just, like, told, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's totally, you can totally domesticate him out lying. It's chill. I did it. And, like, not true, but I think it, I think confidence is half the battle. That trainer just had really good insurance. <laughs> no, I'm saying this was before one needed insurance. That's old. I mean, come on, man. That's old, right? One, I think next, coming up now, we're going to talk about one of Michael J. Fox's IMDb Top 4s. Uh, which is to say the TV show in his top four, and that is Spin City. Now, for some reason, to me, I feel like he's better known for Family Ties, but yeah, IMDb I felt like thing. he's better known for Spin City, which, you know, hey, I can I can understand it. It is uh, an American sitcom series that was also made by Gary Goldberg, who made Family Ties. Yep. Along with Bill Lawrence. It's it's set in a New York City's mayor's office and Michael J. Fox is like the deputy mayor. So he must have he initially didn't like Michael J. Fox. He must have really liked him after Family Ties <laughs> yeah, and wanted to work with him again. Sure. Absolutely, absolutely. It's sort of an interesting show. It it's definitely not similar to Mr. Mayor, but it did give me like it did make me think fondly of Mr. Mayor with Ted yeah. Danson, just as far as like a hustling, bustling office of a mayor. Mm. And uh definitely a lot of cool people in it. They, in the first episode, seem to be, like, adding someone to the mayor's office who I happen to know from The Good Wife. But, uh, I don't know. It, uh, it's, a, it's a fun time. I feel like it's it's definitely different family ties. It's not, like, family-related. It's more, in a, in a way, it's more overtly political in that it's about a mayor and it's, like, political issues there. But... I feel like Family Ties is a little more like there's people on both sides and Spin City is like, you know, the mayor's office is all working for the mayor's team, you know. Uh, but but um, Fox left the show, which in 2000, Spin City went on to 01 uh, after season four because that's when, you know, if you didn't know, Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's disease and I believe that's when uh, some symptoms were getting a little bit more uh, extreme at the time. And for that final season, Charlie Sheen became the new lead as Charlie Crawford in the show. Uh, well, not for the for the final two seasons, actually. 
because it ended and uh, it was canceled in early 2002. But uh, that, I think, kind of brings us to, you know, I feel like we should talk a little bit about Parkinson's disease um, and, and how it affected his career. Before we jump straight into that, I feel like there's a dairy-related note from somebody <laughs> here that they just well, had to get off their chest about Spin City. I just wrote this down because um, I watched the first two episodes <laughs> of Spin City, and um, if you want to watch it, 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 it is on Pluto, which is like a weird streaming oh service. Oh my goodness. We've talked about it before. <laughs> no search function on the Xbox, and I looked into it more. It's on purpose. It's trying to replicate old school live tv feel mm. it's wild i noticed that yeah so i, like, I found it, it is I, I scrolled around <laughs> on xbox on pluto until i found and watched spin city <laughs> it was not easy yeah so like i i really liked uh or i was pleasantly surprised with how well um spin city went for me but one thing that specifically stuck out to me is that Michael J. Fox as like the deputy mayor mayor of uh like New York City like it's a I, is it New York City in New York I don't know I feel like it's something like that but this dude gets yeah. a carton of milk out of a milk vending machine on screen and the vending machine shows like cartons of milk like like skim milk one percent two percent. There's a milk vending machine in this show. I didn't know that was a thing. I mean, <laughs> I wish like, so I, I, I'm I, a milk drinker. I, I would drink. <laughs> I love how passionate you are about this. Yeah. I love that you wrote it in here. I love I knowing that you enjoy milk. Maybe many more factors than Thomas and I combined. Yeah. Um, a milk vending machine. I got my answer locked in already. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being as normal as a Coke vending machine, 10 being uh, crazy outlandish. I've got to tell friends about this. Where's the milk vending machine hitting you, Thomas? Uh, I've only seen one once, and it wasn't just a milk vending machine. So, like, pretty – if we're talking about, like, real-life experience, it's pretty outlandish. Like, I saw it, and I was like, that's really weird. I've never seen one. Okay. I'm saying milk. seven. You know, no, That's I'm wild. I'm saying that sound, I was putting you at a theoretical ten. Okay, for like putting this in here and the way you've talked about it. Because for me, I'm like at like a one, dude. I guess I'm just you've like seen milk vending. Machines? I'm pretty sure at the building I went to kindergarten in, it was like the the cart like the the cartons and like so in 1996. Yeah, 1996, maybe. Not now. In kindergarten in 1996. 96, 97, somewhere around there. Quick maths. Yeah, no, that's what, that's what I'm saying. If you're talking Catch about up. if you're talking about regular day to day no. life, I actually just saw one uh, like three or four months ago in an extended stay hotel. So they didn't have a store; they had a vending machine. I mean, and there I, was like a whole column of milk, but it was different. You like swipe your card, type in a button, and a door yeah. opens, and you get to grab whatever's but inside. Like, I expected to have the 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 Coca Cola cold. I expect. I mean, when I go to the grocery store and they have gallons of milk and a half gallons of milk and then the smaller things of like, I don't know what they are, 16 ounces, I guess. They look like a bottle of milk. I assume that like those are, I mean, that's just a vending machine where a door you have to open and go find the machine to put your bill in. I didn't, 
I didn't know a milk vending machine was that weird. <laughs> but, I think it's weird in the grand scheme of how often do people that are out and about and in a hurry just, I gotta have a drink of milk. Well, like, give no, me a carton of that's, milk. That's freaking <laughs> bizarre. Does that, but the He's fact like, is milk time. that Johnny would do that, but this is still weird to him. Johnny would yeah. have a midday milk. I would. Yeah. You wouldn't do I've seen you do it. I've seen you have milk and spaghetti. I've seen well, you duh. have I've seen you have milk and spaghetti well, with diet coke in the house. It sounds I'm like not it sounds drink diet coke over milk. So it dog. sounds to me that you're saying milk in spaghetti. You mean milk and with, spaghetti, right? Like I mean, drinking it's I all did, going to the same place. <laughs> but hey, but I, he's not watering down his tomato <laughs> sauce with the milk. He may as well be. He's a madman. Before we get too lost in the weeds, I just want to say I I did watch this show. I I I liked it. I didn't like it as much I, as Family Ties, but. I just want to specifically shout out uh, Carla Gugino. I, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but this woman plays uh, Michael J. Fox's love interest slash like longtime girlfriend on this show. And I think she's amazing. I've seen her in so many other things, and I think we should probably do an episode about her sometime in the the near future. But she's been in everything from she sp- all the she's spy the mom kids. from Spy Kids. She's <laughs> yeah. Spy Kids mom. She's Ingrid Cortez. Yeah. So she's like been in everything from Spy Kids to Sin City uh, to The Watchmen watch- with movies and, and with TV shows. She's been in. The, she was in like, the The Haunting of Hill House. Haunting yeah. of Hill House. Uh, Justified, Californication, and, and New Girl, one. like uh, Robot Chicken. Yeah. She's like ubiquitous with television almost. And uh, I've seen her in so many other things, and I think she's really great. Um, and I thought it was really cool to see her like in a repeated yeah, role. Maybe because we'll usually talk more it's just about like, her, like, yeah, it's usually just one episode. But yeah, I would love to do an episode about her, but I specifically, um, I really liked her chemistry with Michael J. Fox. I thought they. They were a really good match, but so I just have to say, at I if please, 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 please take five seconds out of your day, reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at the TV Boys Pod on Instagram and the TV Boys on Twitter, and just tell me on a scale of one to ten how weird is a vending machine that offers milk? Yeah. Because am I old and crusty, or have I just seen more of the world than these two? I don't I mean, know. What Let's if you're Canadian? So what if you order a milk and it comes out? I, and also, we've already had. We don't need to rehash it. There's We're also, letting well, them hash it out. There, there's also like another factor there. Uh, if it's solely milk, that's weird to me. If milk is included, that's not as weird to me. I've seen that way more often. Specifically, chocolate. Right. It's a vending machine. Include, Thomas. include it's within your milk. tweet or Instagram <laughs> DM the Thomas caveat of does it offer also a cola and a some sort of high C knockoff? But let's. <laughs> it has to be a knockoff. Let's move on. I mean, they're not gonna a name brand high C. Get out of here. That's, go- that's like gold. <laughs> not gonna put that in a public vending machine. Need security. So next, I think what we're gonna do is talk about uh, something that Michael J. Fox has. He's been kind of like a uh, figurehead. Isn't the right word. I don't know how to uh, spokesman, like a spokesman for. for the awareness of Parkinson's. Yeah. Um, he started displaying symptoms of early onset Parkinson's disease in 1991 while shooting the movie Doc Hollywood. Um, and he was diagnosed shortly after that. 
though the initial symptoms were initially like a twitching finger and a sore shoulder, uh, he was told he would not be able to work within a few years. Within a few years of 1991. Yeah. So he definitely went way beyond that. Yeah, he went way beyond that. I mean, and he he still makes public appearances um, to this day, but you can definitely tell. He, uh, I, I did recently research this. He just recently um, announced his retirement in 2020. Really? Um, which he, I mean, we're going to talk about this later, but he, this is his re-retirement because he in- yeah. initially said yeah. he was retiring in the early 2000s. Uh, when like his symptoms got right. uh, more exaggerated, and but he came back and gave the people what they I, wanted. I will also say I did see more quotes work. from him that said like, "For now, maybe yeah. things will change for me in the future." So we yeah. might see more of him. But he has entered another retirement phase, which yeah. I feel like he's totally, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's at least this is I think the most interesting thing to me is that he's one of at least four cast members of Leo and Me. Who developed early onset Parkinson's? That's it's weird. This this next sentence. This was on a episode of uh, the Howard Stern radio show. Well, the the fact that four is not enough to be defined as a cluster, so they didn't right. research it. Yeah, but like, like that's Howard Stern enough asked to make you think. It. Like it's enough to make you think. Statistically, where did they all go together? That they were yeah, like, like statistically influenced that's... by some kind of like radiation or yeah. some pollution or something that might may, may have done this like that to me sounds statistically uh significant well but yeah i, I, guess I, I believe not. i believe the the stats on parkinson's are 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 higher than i realized i believe it's like one in 300 people Really. I know. I know it does um, run in my family. My but, grandfather uh, had it. I believe that 125 people worked on uh, Leo and me, so that's obviously, you know, four out of 125 is more than one out of 300. But when we're talking about you know a global and/or national population, I can see how that wasn't like looked into. But it's still like weird i do think though that he one of you put a quote in here i so i I, you know i'd love for you to take the reins but i do think it's interesting that you know for michael j fox it's not i know we're talking about like you know the potential causes but it's not about that it's about recognizing where you're at in life currently and moving forward with with what you have what you got what you are and he's done that to, to, to great effect. But he said something interesting that one of you put here about like trying like thoughts on a potential cause. Yeah, he said um, to Hadley Freeman of The Guardian in late 2020. So pretty recently, he said, quote, I can think of a thousand possible scenarios. I used to go fishing in a river near paper mills and eat the salmon I caught. I've been to a lot of farms. I smoked a lot of pot in high school when the government was poisoning crops. But you can drive yourself crazy trying to figure it out. Totally, totally, like, statistically provable, by the way. Like, government poisoning some crops. Also, like, rivers with with fish people were eating being poisoned by factories before there's regulations on it. So yeah. like, you know, I watch a lot of documentaries. I've yeah. seen a lot of documentaries about just like absurd poisoning of water. Like that right. happens in and, towns. 
and not in, you know, like addressing that is very important, but I do, I do think it's important to take note of Michael J. Fox's point here, in my opinion, at least. And that is that trying to figure this out is, is, you know, it can drive yourself crazy. And what you've got to do is, is live your life moving forward rather than, you know, being consumed by the past. Cause that's not like, even if he knew, even if he knew for sure, this was caused by the salmon, like it doesn't change his current situation. Yeah. He's still got to move forward. He's still got to live his life. And I'm not saying I, I can even do that all the time, but I do think that it's cool that that's, you know, his, his well, take on the situation. And he initially didn't feel that way. Oh, right. Right. He initially started like he became an alcoholic mm-hmm. and was very depressed. Right. And Which then is totally understandable. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, when, sure. when people tell you when like, I mean, he was his career was exploding I mean, when he found you... out that he had this disease and was told, hey, in a few years, you're not going to work anymore. Yeah. I mean, we are around the same age right now that he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Could yeah. you imagine right now? Being diagnosed with, like that would be I devastating. Would yeah, probably I would do the same thing. Like I, I get that, and I think what he eventually did after that is extremely commendable. Yeah, so he he turned around. He he sought help after after he like basically was trying to drink himself to death. Mm-hmm. Um, he he realized that it, he came to the conclusion of what we ultimately just talked about that. You're only given the circumstances you're given. Right. You can either wallow in it or you can try and make the best of it. And that's what he did. He turned around. He he uh, he founded a, a fund um, or foundation. Mm-hmm. He, he funded a foundation in uh, what was that? 2000. 1998. Well, in 1998, he went public yeah. with his Parkinson's disease and had become a strong advocate of Parkinson's disease research. Um, I don't know when he founded the Michael J. Fox Foundation, um, but it was created to help advance every promising research path to curing Parkinson's disease. And since 2010, he has he has led a $100 million effort, which is the foundation's landmark observational study, to discover the biological markers of Parkinson's disease with the Parkinson's Progression Markers Initiative, or PPMI. Um, which, as far as I understand, I know very little about that. I'm not a, a buff on it. Yeah. But it's very similar to um, finding out what in biology of people with Parkinson's they can use to identify it and if they can identify it early. And then once you know that, you may be able to start treatment before it occurs to like basically push that time back, if not stop it. Yeah. As to when it onsets. Um I think I think it's interesting to note, like a, and and honestly, the like the more important and the cooler part is, is his strength and his uh, coming to terms, I guess, in a way, with a situation and moving forward. And like you said, in '98, he went public with what was going on. In two in 2000, he founded the this foundation, um, but. That like you just mentioned, he he had a a really hard time drinking heavily, depression after the diagnosis, which uh, was in ninety one. So, I I think the important thing and the cool thing is to acknowledge the place of strength and and support he got to. But I also think it's worth noting that like 
it took some time. Like he was in a bad place and sad for a while and still like still came back from that, that like it wasn't as longer than I would have thought. You know what I mean? Like him taking this really hard wasn't just like a few weeks. wasn't just like a few months. It was legitimately years. It was legitimately the majority of the nineties that he wasn't moving forward on this. And then basically had like a whole second career after it. And I feel like that additional note is something that sometimes people want to move past because like, that's not the cool part of the journey, this period of darkness. But I think that that makes it even more inspiring. Yeah, because mm. that's that's human. That's that's what you would do. Like it's the if, it's the epic poem. It's the hero overcoming the obstacle. Right. Yeah, like right. you're going like, I can't imagine getting a diagnosis like that. Like yeah, I like I can't say that I would be as strong it. as him. Yeah, you know? like that's yeah. it's, I don't it's know. super cool. And I think that like the you know that all of that to say. His work led him to be named one of the 100 people, quote-unquote, whose power, talent, and moral example is transforming the world, quote-unquote, in 2007 by Time Magazine. I like that. I know Time Magazine makes a lot of lists, but that sounds like a pretty cool list. That's a list to be on. And um, on March, March 5th, 2010... Fox received an honorary doctorate in medicine from the Karolinska Institute for his contributions uh, to the research in Parkinson's disease. He received another honorary doctorate of laws from the University of British Columbia. And those are the only two I put in the outline. He's gotten multiple other honorary uh, degrees uh, because of what he's done to help other people with his condition and i think that's i i I just love it i think that's great speaking of being a doctor i i know i've talked about it a lot before i'm you know there's plenty of other shows there's plenty of shows i love but i feel like in comparison to the average person i'm a bit of a bit of a scrubs head (laughs) yeah do you guys ever catch his episodes of scrubs i i've seen a lot of scrubs i haven't watched it like serially like in order so same same i can't okay. recall it fair enough he plays a visiting he's in two apps at least he plays a visiting like extremely like high level specialist doctor like coming in for some like hyper particular emergency i believe i believe anyways what is interesting about him I believe his character's name is Casey, um, is that this character has, like, extreme, to the point of, like, debilitating OCD and has, like, a really heartfelt conversation with some of the other characters about that. And it it feels, it plays off like one of those things. Like if it's like a person, an actor who really was dealing with this and was like opening up about that. So they made this and it like, it was so interesting to me to know that like his, his major struggle, I would say is Parkinson's disease. He's not like, but that he was not only willing, but well portrayed another physiological issue. Yeah. Like, 
in in such a extremely genuine way and like he was still dealing with his real life disease when he's in these episodes i don't know it was cool that he's like like it would have made it would have been like also cool and made sense if he was in an episode where he was a doctor who had parkinson's but he's not he's a doctor who has extreme ocd because he finds all sorts of issues important one last thing that i found interesting was um if i'm remembering everything and relaying the information correct is that he said in an interview um like what you like the what the roles you have seen him play where he um shows symptoms of parkinson's disease like after his um initial like announcement and everything um like what you see as symptoms of parkinson's disease which is like he he sways around a lot and and like his, his he has a lot of head movement and stuff what he said is that that is not a symptom of Parkinson's disease. It is a um, a symptom of the medication he takes, mm. which causes that. But he he said that he prefers that to actual the symptoms of Parkinson's disease because he says that like it's hard to actually speak when you have Parkinson's disease. So, like, what you see, like, that's not actually what's going on. It's a symptom, but also something that's helping him. I don't know. I thought that that was that was interesting because, I think you know, if, if you're familiar with Parkinson's disease, you think, like, oh, yeah, this is a symptom because I'm right. seeing him, his body movements in, in a strange way. I think that's extremely interesting and sort of dovetails into something – I want to talk about that, like a show I've mentioned before. It's a, a sort of a companion show to a show I've mentioned even more, and that is uh, the Good Wife. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael J. Fox is in a good like twenty plus, <laughs> like at least twenty six episodes of the Good Wife as a, a, an attorney, which like he's like a rival attorney to our lead characters in the Good Wife, specifically yeah. Alicia. Um, but he has. This character has tardive has tardive dyskinesia, which is a like it is another uh, movement disorder, which Parkinson's disease is, but it sort of has like the opposite symptoms of Parkinson's, but it it like the symptoms that he this character exhibits are these like side effects of his medication for Parkinson's like you're talking nice. about. Okay. Yeah. I think I remember like, reading it, that. Like those, too. those things that like you think are associated with Parkinson's, but are actually like side effects of the medication are sort they, they appear on some level as symptoms of tardive dyskinesia. And then he like plays a character with tardive mm-hmm. dyskinesia. I don't know. I, hmm. I like, I just, I think that is like super interesting how he's, he's worked on multiple and meta levels like worked his life situation into his art and we're about to Um, talk about something that's very meta yeah and very reflective of his real life all right so the last thing i want to talk about tonight is the michael j fox show 
Uh, so this was an American sitcom television series that, of course, starred Michael J. Fox that aired on NBC uh, from 2013 to 2014. Uh, this was uh, Michael J. Fox's like first regular return to television since Spin City. In February 2014, NBC canceled the series due to the 2014 Olympics. A representative for NBC later stated, It's not canceled. We're just looking for a time, a time place to schedule it for after April 3rd. Uh, despite this, the remaining episodes were never aired in the United States, um, and on in May of 2014, they officially canceled the the show. But um, I thought it was really interesting that the the show's premise is after being dose diagnosed with Parkinson's, uh, Mike Henry had to give up his career as a news anchor for New York City's WNBC and focus on his family and his health. Four years later, he decides to go back to work and struggles between his uh, family and his career. So it sounds like, like it was just Michael J. Fox's like actual show. Like I feel like that's uh, you know a good name for the show, the Michael J. Fox show, because like I think it had been well. Okay, so 2013 and Spin City ended in 2001. So it was a it was a longer break than 4 years which was his uh fictional character, but basically all of all of the other uh extenuating circumstances um were directly related to Michael J Fox's life. Yeah, it's um, like he he came up with a fictionalized version of his real life that wasn't him. Yeah, yeah, and it really does. I did watch the first episode. I think I I don't. I don't think I wrote it down, but uh, I think I watched this on uh, Pluto as well, which is super janky um, as far as streaming services go. But or no, actually, I found this on um, uh, Daily Motion, which we're still in the gray area. If we can yeah, it was tough. Find, it was tough there. finding it, and of course, I don't know what it is with Daily Motion and their like pirating software or how they pirate things, but. All of the visual words were mirror images. So yeah. it was not the Michael J. Fox show. It was the XOFJ <laughs> whatever <laughs> show. Uh, but I, I did I, – I found it interesting. I'm not going to say – like I, I definitely wanted to like this show more than I wanted to like any of the other shows Michael J. Fox has been in. But if I had to – put a, a different definite metric on it i would say it was a half pulled up chair chair show for me um didn't quite knock it out of the park but it was very interesting to basically you know see uh, a character that was based on michael j fox um it was it was cool i'll have to check it out i've never i had never heard of it yeah, neither had I. I. I don't even remember seeing promotional material for it back then. Yeah, but it sounds it sounds really interesting to me, um, and I really I really like him. Oh, uh, one other thing I totally forgot to mention. We were talking about uh, family ties. Is that Michael J. Fox met his wife, who he has been married to since the eighties, on Family Ties. Uh, she played one of Keaton's girlfriends. Really? So this actress played his girlfriend, <laughs> and uh, they're still married right now. They have been married really? for over 30 years, and uh, I think that's really cool. I think there's, like, he 
you know, Michael J. Fox has multiple um, autobiographical works where he talks about his life. And um, there's been like uh, some some interviews with him that is like my 30 year uh, love story and stuff like that. So I think that's that's really cool. That's not something you see too very often uh, in Hollywood. You know, that in Family Ties that the the mom, Meredith Baxter, Bernie, um, was in a, a sitcom called Family where she was like the teen like rebelling against her parents really and that michael's, <laughs> that's funny and that in the final season of that show michael j fox is in an episode no way he would have been like no way. a peer of <laughs> her because oh in real life he's only like he's 15 years younger than his um on-screen parents and family ties who by the way bizarrely have the same birthday like really the, the parents and family t- to the day Really, like they're the exact same age and year. Oh my god! Yeah, what? (laughs) That's weird, isn't it? That is weird. Um, Since we're just you know we're wrapping up here, I do want to give another shout out to Back to the Future. I know that you have a deep and well expressed love for those movies, Johnny. I want to just tack onto that and say I love them so much as well. A very good friend of mine and good friend of the show, Casey Cavanaugh once said to me that Back to the Future was the perfect trilogy. And I, of course, went into like a multi-day rage about the Lord of the Rings. Rings, And then even after that subsided, reignited from the burning coals, some, uh, some passionate points about some Star Wars trilogies. And Casey being a big fan of Lord of the Rings, bigger fan of Star Wars even, if if, if that's possible, um, challenged me to check him out and get back to him. And I did so. And while I think that Lord of the Rings are the best movies ever made, I kind of get it. If you're talking about a perfect trilogy, if you're talking about the perfect continuity, if you're talking about the perfect level of callbacks and tie-ins and crossovers, I don't know that anything does it better than Back to the Future. Well, it gets to an absurd... wild. I I remember being giddy. Like, that's the only word I can think of. Like, giddy. Disappearing, reappearing in the picture. like, Like, the sequels where they go back to the first movies and they're referencing what's going on Biff's ancient ancestor is like a mean (laughs) cowboy. Like, it's just like mind blown over and over again. So I get that. Not that that didn't happen to me with Lord of the Rings. Not that that didn't happen to me with any given cool Star Wars trilogy. But like, it's so freaking tight. It's valid. And I do believe our good friend Casey was correct, <laughs> yeah. which is wild because like I would have assumed before he told me that that he'd put Star Wars up as number one and I'd put Lord of the Rings up as number one. And like, yes, we both would champion those forever, but he's not wrong. I just uh, uh, actually talked with him while we were recording this episode to confirm that he still felt that way and he does and he's not he's not wrong (laughs) i i can see how you came around to it though because those movies if you compare them side by side to each other they have that tv meta and that callback meta and tv is your favorite right even though that like the lord of the rings trilogy is my favorite movies of all time yeah they 
are one big long story. Whereas the back to the future trilogy, like that's not one big long story. That's three very cool stories that tie to each other in the coolest of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah they really make it. And, and I so think you're fun. right. I haven't thought about it before, but I think it is a TV flavor. Yeah, and TV being my favorite art medium, like it just it resonates. Yeah. Uh. Anyways, I just you know I can't let Michael J. Fox episode go by without pouring my heart out about Back to the Future trilogy. So. Um, I feel like that sort of wraps us up on Michael J. Fox. Uh, if that is the case, I'm ready if that to move on to some TV news. Um, does anyone have any satient TV news? I may, maybe that's not a real word. Does anyone have any CV news they want to talk about? <laughs> I know you do. Oh, I do. And I'm really excited about I it. I do. Um, I have two things to say. One, just to get it out of the way. Hey, I know. Internet, you're out there. Our full review of the Squid Game will come next week. We'll talk about it. We had too much to talk about this week. I'll talk to you about Squid Game next week. I know. It's the thing. It's the big thing. We'll talk about it. Um, That 70s show. We've talked about it before. It's got some iconic actors, some iconic characters. If you didn't know, if you didn't know, they did try to make that 80s show that got canceled after one season. Yeah. The creators of that 70s show have confirmed that a that 90s show is in the works. Oh, dude. We them 90s boys. I'll tell you right now that it... Well, first off, yeah. Like, we, we them 90s boys. I will remember the things they're talking uh, about. So, yeah, well, I'll remember the things, and I'll be able to call out the anachronisms like my dad does when we watch the set, that 70s show together. Like, that style of football helmet yeah. didn't exist in the 70s. I was about to say that. And, like, I was, I, I was like, oh, come on. And I looked it up, and he was totally right. And, it, like, but, came out in the 90s. Yeah, it, like, yeah we're going to be like, Donkey Kong Country but, uh, didn't come out until blah, Get blah, out of here. There was no 720p, man. <laughs> um, but Kurtwood Smith, who is Red Foreman, and Deborah Jo Rupp, who is Kitty, they are officially reprising their roles, and I am really? over the moon. There's oh no one freaking gosh, better. Dude. I believe what's rumored so far, the premise is that Topher Grace's character being Eric and Laura Prepon, who is, of course, Donna, so Eric and Donna, their, like, child in this future, in the 90s, is spending the summer, I, th- I assume summer, like, between school, like, back home at Point Place with Red and Kitty. Oh, <laughs> so it's going to be, man. it's going to be, like, a group of friends <laughs> hanging out at the Foreman's, but it's just yeah. like they're the grandparents now, you and got, it's it, it's Eric and Donna's kid. You got an expected release date for when this is going to happen? Because oh, it sounds man. great. So if, if they have that much information, they have to at least have like a year. I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, you know, it's late 2021 at this point. Um, from what I understand, we are looking at sometime in 2022. That's what I've heard. Okay. Nice. But uh, 
you know, I'd be, you know, if it, I want it as soon as possible, but if it's, if it's late, you know, I understand, but I just, I just heard today there's, you know, I really didn't care that much for that 80s show, but the idea it, of that 90s show returning to form and having Red and Kitty, you know, be head of household and there's yeah. just like a new batch of kids, I'm here for it. Heck yeah. That's I want, awesome. I want them to just like ream 90s kid culture i want to be lambasted and land blasted and whatever those words are like i want them <laughs> to go hard on 90s kids and not in like the cutesy way youtube remembers the 90s i think that brings us to what have you been watching i think it's he's time giving us a sound for what have you been watching this week? So much better than we I got did. Any... I, did, I said it like a question. All right. Hey, Johnny. What have you been watching this week? This week I've been watching something that is on Netflix. Um, it is an anthology show that is made by Neil Blomkamp. If I'm remembering that name correctly, this is the guy who brought you Session 9. Not Session 9. Uh, District 9. Uh, the alien... TV, uh, alien movie he was also supposed to direct the halo movie that of course eventually never happened because of all of the crazy behind the scenes i still stuff have Microsoft. hope they're in talks again but it's a complete rework <laughs> yeah but, it's a different thing <laughs> but <he's, laughs> yeah. he, i think he he did elysium and he did it like he's a big sci-fi guy but um he like made his own studio called oats studios so Oat Studios is an anthology series, uh, very, very, very sci-fi. Um, I think a lot of it is like, there's some just amazing episodes. If you want to compare it to anything, it feels like another season of Love, Death, and Robots. But I think the hmm. best episodes of Oat Studios are better than the best episodes of Love, Death, and Robots. Whoa. And I, but okay. I think the worst okay. episodes of Oat Studios are way worse than oh, the worst no. episodes. So it has of like higher peaks and valleys. Yes, yes. but interesting. It, it feels like the same thing. Um, there's some really cool stuff in there. Sigourney Weaver is an actress in the first episode and it feels like a movie that you just get plopped into and then it ends super quick and like, well, that's all you get, man. Like you're not going to see anything else. And like, there's a bunch of questions with all of them. Uh, but I thought it was super, super interesting. I ended up watching all of it in one night. So like, and where'd you he, say you're watching it? It's on Netflix. There's a Netflix original. I, I think maybe these were released on YouTube years ago. So you might've seen them, but it's, it's a collection now on Netflix and um, there's not a single episode that's over 20 minutes. So of course it's one of those shows where uh, if you see a bad episode, it's going to be, over before like the time you watch a YouTube video. So like your attention span is that long and you're going to see something that you like later on. Um, one of the uh, episodes has Dakota Fanning who I hadn't seen since she was a child actress. Yeah. And, like, like a, like a six year old. Yeah. So like, sh uh, I'm pretty sure she's around our age. Like uh, yeah. she's in her twenties and uh, she's in an episode that I found particularly terrifying um, but I had a lot of weird dreams after watching all this in one night. I thought it was super cool. I <laughs> nice. love it's it's just like sci-fi just I, I I don't I was trying to think of a right word, but it's just uh 
just random sci-fi stuff that's really 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 fun and i can't recommend it enough i i know i'm gonna make you watch an episode with me within the next week so i will oats, yeah, dude. oats studios i will definitely be checking that out I on th- netflix yeah. because so, i had seen raka which is a that's short the first, that's the first episode of oats is studios. it really because it's been You've on it's been on youtube for four years okay yeah and i watched it four years like it came out and i watched it and i was like i need more of this story you're and not like, gonna see more of that i know story. i'm not but like i want to see more from those yeah, guys so, so raka is the first episode of that and uh it's all the same studio and most of all of it is either written or directed by neil blomkamp who is the uh district nine guy so that's it i think it's super cool thomas what have you been watching this week so this week it's kind of a uh it's kind of a i'm i watched heartland don't know if you guys have heard, I've heard of, it. of that what is that it uh it ran for a really long time uh it's a it's a basically like a a show about like families that own ranches in i think alberta it's in canada okay um it started in 07, and I believe it's still running. So 224 episodes. Um, yeah, 2007 to present. Yeah, I think it's still going. It's it's pretty soap opera-y. My wife is really into it. Like, yeah. we, uh, she came down to Atlanta with me for a business meeting, and like, not to go to the meeting, but like, she came down with me so we could go and see the city and whatnot. Um, and. Like, when I left, she was watching it. When I came back, she was watching it. I took a shower and got out, and she was still watching it. (laughs) Like, she's really into it. It's pretty soap opera. It's not quite my speed, but it... It was enough to catch your attention? It was fine to watch. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would go out of my way to watch all 200-something episodes, because, like, that's a pretty big undertaking. But, I mean, there's definitely a market for it. They've been doing it that long. There's definitely people out there that like it. Um, But that's, that's what I've been watching. It's... uh. It's fine to sit down and watch. It's not yeah. boring. Where did you watch that? Where'd you watch it? Uh, Netflix, I believe. I think all but like the most recent seasons. I think it's one of those licensing things where it's like it's on CBC in Canada, but like they licensed it from them, but they're not allowed to okay. have like the last yeah. two seasons or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but there's like there's like four, 13 or 14 seasons on, on uh, Netflix. So nice. if you wanted to lot. start watching it, <laughs> yeah. you could watch it for like you the next month if you were like really diehard trying or like the next couple years. Nice. If you're uh, if you're a uh, like a dabbler in TV. Anyway, moving on from me. Israel. The lion's mane. What have you been watching this week? So I will tell you exactly what I've been watching this week. And that is Stargirl. Oh. I'm like, wasn't, it was one of those things that my parents were, my parents and grandparents were watching. And so I think I'd like, might have missed the first episode. I've seen at least five episodes of the first season at this point. Is that point. like Supergirl? I'm going to go back and, yeah, short, sort of. Okay. I'm going to go back and plug in the, the missing episodes and get caught up properly because it does have two seasons. Um, but it's a superhero show. It's a DC show. And I was talking to my dad about it after a couple episodes. We were standing in the kitchen making some coffee together, and I was like, you know, this is pretty good. I feel like it's not giving me the exact, like, it doesn't feel like it's part of the Arrowverse, but it's giving me CW quality vibes 
plus like CW quality production plus maybe even a little better writing. And he was like, well, you know that it's not part of the Arrowverse, but is in fact made by the CW. Right. And I was like, what? No, I didn't know that. (laughs) And that is the, that is the situation. So, um, star girl, you know, it's just a superhero TV show, uh, sort of about like, uh, the justice society of America, maybe, part two or part three. I don't know. They're like some teens. And I think there was like a previous JSA, but I don't want to spoil too much. So check it out. I've been watching star girl and on it what? has been a fun time. What have you been watching that on? What have I been watching star girl on? Is how that c- another Netflix? Are we doing all you Netflix? Tonight? Even ask, As uh, you, you know, what's crazy. What? I haven't watched it on HBO Max. Oh, well, I guess they, like, they're, they're home of everything DC. Right, is exactly. DC property? It's a DC show. Like, it okay. might be other places. I think you can watch it with for free without a subscription on, like, the CW's website or the CW streaming service. Like, yeah. I think you can just watch the show totally for free. But I happen to be watching it on HBO Max. Noise. Well... I think that wraps us up on what we're talking about here today as far as Michael J. Fox and his many great works, TV news, and what we've been watching. Before we get right to the outro, do either of you have anything you forgot that's just weighing on you? You got to get off your chest. Man, I have fun tonight. Nice. I'm glad to hear it. That's it. Same. Likewise. (laughs) It's so great to have Thomas here with us. I had fun. I'm continuing to have fun. And I do think that a large portion of that is having uh, one half of my uh, co hosting parte here in person, which is to say, it's always more fun when we're all together and you're here with us, Thomas. I assume I would feel similarly if you you or I were you know somewhere else but so yeah far, but even worse always... one time one time johnny and i recorded in two different rooms but at in least we were in house. the same yeah. building <laughs> we were trying so out we were new still stuff. together uh anyways it's always best when we're all together i love the doing this episode i love michael j fox's work i love talking about tv with my tv boys that's what it's all about I want to sign off at this point. Before I do that, I want to tell you to please, 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 please reach out to us. Tell us what you liked about this episode. Tell us who we should talk about next. Tell us about your day. Anything you want to tell me. Tell me, tell Thomas, tell Johnny, tell us at the TV boys on Twitter and or the TV boys pod on Instagram. We would be over the moon to hear from you. I believe that's all we got for now. I have been Izzy. Who else do we have here? I've been Thomas. And I'm Johnny. I forgot I was the last one. (laughs) Uh, One last thing, and that is, of course, pick something that you enjoy, that makes you happy, that makes you interested, and go ahead and watch another episode, and we will talk to you next week. Why?
I guess you don't listen. No, he's saying that like Oh.